to the Miami Improv Festival podcast. I'm Casey Saska, and sitting with me right now is Jack Rita from D Cup. Hello. And you are, uh, D Cup stands for District of Columbia Unscripted Players. Yes. But it is also a, just a, a fun name to say because of uh, breasts. <laughs> yes. It, it actually came about from the first place that we were performing, and it was a, an old Victoria's Secret in a mall that had been turned into a theater <laughs> that the Comedy Sports DC uh, group was using. And we started performing there. And I had had a list of potential names for our sort of adult improv spinoff troupe, none of which were accepted by the rest of the group. Uh-huh. Oh, of so the, the one woman in our troupe came up with DCOP. She said, we need to have an acronym and we want to pay homage to our Victoria's Secret roots. So right. she was the uh, actual creator of the name D-Cup, and it kind of stuck, and we we said, all right, well, this is it's fun to say, so yeah, we're going to yeah. stick with it. So what was the impetus then to, to pull D-Cup together? What what sorts of things that were happening in, in the improv scene at the time led you to want to pull that group together? A couple of the guys, uh, my friend Todd, who is still with the group, um, he and I had been in a, a troupe in D.C. years before uh, called Emmett's Boys, which was just a bunch of guys who, one, enjoyed each other. We just liked hanging around with, with each other because we, we made each other laugh and mm-hmm. we, we enjoyed, you know, just goofing off. Uh, and we wanted to do other kinds of improv scenes and games that the comedy sports wasn't necessarily going to do. And part of it was just, it was a little bit weird. And part of it was, it, it might be a little bit of an adult nature. Right. So that's right. what we said. All right, we wanted to do that. And... Uh, that group had kind of spread to the four winds, and and I had actually moved to California. When I came back to the D.C. area, I hooked up with Todd, and we said, hey, we want to do that again. Let's grab a few people that we know and do a, another group like that. And that's kind of how D-Cup came about. We yeah. wanted to do some of the improv um, kinds of short-form games and also ex- play around with long-form a little bit and the sort of stuff that just is not uh, part of what a comedy sports show would necessarily do. Right. And there's a lot of sort of deconstruction in in the way that D-Cup performs in terms of playing with the fact that it is a show and there's and, and that it is short form. And so was that part of the impetus that you get to deconstruct short form and long form a little bit in different ways? We definitely evolved into that. So I would say the first six months or so, we were just doing uh, this kind of standard short form improv show that you could see pretty much anywhere in the right. world. Um, and after a while, I started to think about, are, were there ways that we could take improv to kind of a different place and to really exploit the theatrical side of the performance um, and just and, and spectacle? I think that was the other thing that I really was interested in exploring. Right. And that was kind of that led me directly to um, our show, The Boneless Chicken Cabaret. And just the idea of, you know, three guys dressed as chickens. Uh, doing improv and and not speaking English, just making chicken sounds right. and seeing can we sustain that? Can we do a whole show where that's all that we're doing? And we found out very quickly that we could because even when the chickens were just kind of standing around on the stage looking at each other, not even doing anything, yes, the audience was laughing. Right. They were just hypnotized by what was going on. Yeah, and and we kind of split the show between pure improv. And something that we kind of uh, borrowed from the SAC Comedy Lab from 30 years ago. And it was the idea of doing a a structured show or a scene with an audience volunteer who's not 
has no idea what it is that they're supposed to do. Right. And just riffing off of them. Yeah. So we would do these sack segments, uh, and that's what we called them, and it was just, all right, here's a structure. We're going to be shooting a movie, and the audience volunteer is, is an actor in the movie, but mm-hmm. first of all, they have to figure out what it is that they're even doing because we're not speaking English. We're not giving them any instruction. Right. And then we just kind of play off of it, and we found that if they... If they did really well, the audience loved it. And if they did poorly and the chickens were just shaking their heads in frustration, the audience loved that too. Right. So it was a win-win. We just couldn't lose with, with these segments. And in the improv, sometimes we had no idea what we were doing. We, we can't, you know, we can't whisper to each other and, and talk. Um, sometimes we can't really see very well either. The masks are very hard yeah, to see. Yeah, that's the thing is like, how do you how do you even communicate how a show is going when you've gone so far in terms of what you're doing? Absolutely. And there were times afterwards where we would sit and say, well, what did you think that scene was about? And well, I thought we were in a doctor's <laughs> office. Okay, well, I thought we were both lawyers. And then the third person's like, I didn't get any of that. But it still ends up being entertaining because the audience is just, they're so... It's it's they're mystified, it's a puzzle that they want to unravel, and they're they're just laughing the whole time. So we just kind of really said, all right, let's really play around with this and see how far we can push it. And in part of the pushing, it was where we we kind of developed the whole idea of the Simon ventriloquist dummies. Right. Um, it started as a way for us to actually have the one of the chickens operate the dummy, and it gave him an opportunity to actually talk during the show. So he's yeah. wearing a chicken costume, he's operating a dummy. The audience is looking at the dummy. They're not looking at the guy in the chicken suit. And we, the first time that we ever used a Simon was at the Miami Improv Festival in 2006. Awesome. And we could see people in the audience who were literally ready to wet themselves. Uh, they were laughing so hard. And we were laughing. And, and really, if you, if you looked at what we were doing, it was really stupid stuff. It just had, it made no sense, but it was just so damn funny. And I immediately I went on eBay and I got as many of those Simon says you know, they're nineteen seventies era ventriloquist dummies. They're yeah, horrible. So, yeah, the, creepy looking. Yeah, I have twelve of them now. And uh, and it always amazes me when someone would be bidding against me to get one of these crappy dolls, but I guess there's another collector out there. Yeah. But I've got I've got more than probably most people in the world and We've just really kind of played around with them, and I, I realized they can do a whole show on their own. Yeah, and the and the stage picture is is fantastic. You know, just there's a table there, and then there are four improvisers who each have one of these old you know old school ventriloquist dolls, and they're all in black. And so you very quickly are not paying attention to the improvisers that are controlling it, and get lost in these Simon yeah. dolls that are there. And then there's someone, uh, an actual human, who's sort of the the wrangler of the Simons in, in sort of a way, and um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to just explore again. How, what can we do? What can we get away with? And that's kind of really the way that we approach it. What can we get away with using these dolls? Because the anonymity of wearing this black hood and the audience not really being able to see you um, and just really kind of dismissing that you're even there, even though it's you know you're obvious, you're not really well right. hidden or camouflaged. But they're just so focused on the dummies and what the dummies are doing um, that we really can get away with a lot of stuff that would just really be too crass, I think, for a human performer. What are, or just well, let's hear some. What are, what, are, what, are, what are some of your favorite things that, are, that you've really one of the pushed favorite, with that form? One of the favorite bits that I came up with was I, I found a place online where I could buy a little wheelchair that would just fit one of the Simons. 
And I said, wouldn't it be nice if we did a bit where we have a Simon in a wheelchair and he has a little computer that he talks through, kind of like Stephen Hawking. <laughs> and we would call him Simon Hawking and he'll answer questions <laughs> from the, the audience. Best. And I described this to the other guys in the troupe and they were appalled. They said, no, you can't, you can't do this. And I said, well, I already bought the wheelchair, so we are doing it. So we did it in a show. And again, we said, well, let's just sneak it in. We'll do a few minutes of it in the middle of the show. And if it doesn't work, you know, we'll move on. We could have done an entire show with the Simon Hawking puppet because it was just so insanely funny. And he, he, they, we'd get an, a question, and the and this little guy would be sitting there typing on his keyboard, and you're waiting like almost a full minute for right. him to say anything. Right. And then you know, meanwhile, somebody is back in the sound booth on a real keyboard, and they're typing, and they've got this horrible old voice synthesizer that you know the answer to what you have said is that. And again, it didn't have to be particularly brilliant, but right. everything was funny. Everything yeah. worked, and we just were kind of flabbergasted that how popular it was. And we had people coming up to us afterward who said, um, "We love Simon Hawking. You know, does he have a website or whatever?" I said, "Well, no." <laughs> They didn't even want to do it, so we really kind of just said, "All right, there's a lot of room to explore with these with these dummies," and and that's why I ended up getting more. I, we've uh, modified them. I've got one that's he's all painted blue, like a blue man group guy, mm-hmm. and he comes out and he bangs on drums, and and they berate him and get him off of the stage. And we have uh, we have another one whose jaw broke during a show. <laughs> Did a show at the Miami Improv Festival. He broke, and the next night we brought him out on stage, and his jaw was wired shut, and he had a neck brace on. And That's so the best. Oh, we just I love said, it. "All right, you know, let's just work with it. You know, if they have repeat customers, they're going to know what happened to him." Yeah, so. there's whole storylines going on with these dummies. So and... they did, and uh, we have a, a sort of Latin flavored uh, Simon. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they've done. Uh, they've done. Uh, a lot of just unusual things that we just as normal human performers we we just couldn't do it we right couldn't do it yeah and how do you how do you translate then you know how was the process of translating what an improviser would be doing into into one of these Simon dummies how how did you, how did that process go we we started off by looking at some of the really common improv games that we would see in a lot of troops do and stuff that we had done as well. And we started to really kind of examine them and say, you know, why do they do this? Why do they even do this game? This is such a weird game. Mm-hmm. And, and and here's what I think is wrong with it. You know, from my, you know, I've been doing improv since 1985. So I've done a lot of improv and I've seen a lot of stuff. And there certain things just didn't make sense to me anymore. And so we said, is there a way that we can kind of deconstruct improv and do almost a meta show with the Simons where they're, they're, they're narrating what they're doing. You know, they're saying things like, I'm crossing the stage so that I can form a scene transition and right. I'm not in the right. scene anymore. And just stuff that, all right, people do that at improv and they, you know, the audience kind of gets it or sometimes they don't or it doesn't really matter. Uh, or it's a really artsy fartsy crowd and they're like, okay, but it's just the stuff that we wouldn't ever do that. And we said, all right, well, Simons are going to do it, but right. they're going to, you know, just kind of exploit it and kind of point out whatever is kind of silly that right. we take for granted as sure. improvisers. We're like, oh, I don't question this. This is not weird anymore. Yeah, it's, I'm know, so close to it that I just yes. don't even see it. So yeah. that's really kind of what we focused on. And, and when we said, all right, we're going back to Miami again, 2015, you know, for Thursday, we're going to do a show and we'll say, well, it'll be more of one of our normal Simon shows. But for Saturday, we want to really kind of push the limit and really kind of examine improv 
for as many improv people there that can see it. So not to tease things up, but we really are right. Know, really push is, the envelope. Yeah, because this is this is Thursday right after you know you guys got off stage, and so yeah. it's just what's going to happen next. Is, so that's and, our plan. We really want to kind of it, it may bomb horribly, but I, I'm I'm optimistic. That I there don't will be think some stuff that uh, people cons- love. Yes, I mean considering how amazing that show was and how people really enjoyed that, I don't see. There's nothing that could be done well, it's, with it's that. It's great to hear. And it's also one of those things that just seeing those puppets is no matter what is happening in the actual improv scene, you can always, you always, you get lost in the scene a little bit, but then you come back and you're like, wait, there's puppets up there doing that. And it's that thought just keeps happening no matter how long into it, 40 minutes in, you still have that, I'm watching puppets. And, we, you know, we we still get amazed at how expressive they can be. I mean, they, the only thing that moves on them is the mouth. And, you know, we can flap their arms around a little bit, but they're very limited as far, you know, their eyes don't move. And, and But nevertheless, we're able to still convey a lot. And we kind of figured that out a little bit with the chickens. You know, you had this mask that didn't move at all, yet you could physically, you could still do a lot and really convey things um, and, and really explore archetypes a, a lot in improv. Right. And so the Simons can do that as well. And we really... Um, don't have to worry so much about, you know, are, is the audience going to get this? Are they going to understand what we're doing? It, it still comes across very right. cleanly. Yeah, and you don't have to, you can't really ha- have them doing object work in, in the same way that an actor can. But the, the scene painting, it's it's almost like a, a bat that's happening on stage in a lot of the ways of the scene painting and scene narration that pulls it. Was that an intentional yeah, sort of decision absolutely. or did that happen after you You know, you the did first time that shows? we ever, we had... None of us had ever really done any scene painting until we were doing a show at the San Francisco Improv Festival um, about 10 years ago. And the troupe that they were, there was us and another troupe that did three nights of performance. And the other troupe, they started everything with just a lot of elaborate scene painting. And it was, again, it was a thing, sort of thing like, well, all right, well, if the Simons did scene painting, what would it be like? And it was just very kind of turning your eyes inward and... Right. And just pointing out everything about it, and and that's the kind of thing that we want to do. We want to look for what we can exploit, and what can we overexamine, and right. what can we just sort of lift a curtain up and say, all right, you know, here's here's maybe what's going on, the thought thought process behind right. what goes on in in some improv, and um, you know, some of it is we like, all right, you know, is what's pretentious that we can maybe try to take down a notch, or what can we just have fun goofing with so that's right. really kind of what drives us and we had a long discussion today about stuff that we think is goofy and um, we're like let's save it for Saturday we'll uh, sure, <laughs> we'll sure. keep it kind of tame for, for Thursday night yeah and where, where, where do you see because you've sort of rebanded now to come here and, and do this show where, where at least for, for you where do you see yourself taking your improv you know it, it's it's really challenging because the this troupe is you know, just like the Emmett's Boys troupe uh, that we were in before, you know, phys- geographically, we're in four different states. You know, we're in Rhode Island and West Virginia and Pennsylvania and Virginia and North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so we just really don't perform together anymore. Right, Some right. of the other people, you know, have have latched onto other groups in their local area that they perform with. For me... I'm kind of mentoring my daughter. She's in middle school, and she's on their improv team there. And There's an improv team at her middle? That yeah, is they awesome. have a whole theater sports so cool. program. So I, I come in, and I, I go into the school, and I coach their team, and I really try to teach them about the stuff that I think is important and the stuff to focus on to help them get really clean scenes and, and to 
keep the audience in mind. What is the audience thinking about? What do they care about in a scene? And that, I think, really helps them to produce stuff that is compelling. And I'm kind of getting my daughter ready to take over D cup. It probably won't be right away. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't know my well, wife really, would be you know, too crazy. 10th you know, grader. <laughs> yeah. D-cup. But she has said, you know, Hey, you know, I, can I take it over when you're totally done with it? So for me, you know, if, if there's opportunities for the troop to get together, um, you know, we have talked about, Hey, let's go up to Pittsburgh because uh, the, this Matt is there and he, He's, he's in good standing with their local theater, mm-hmm. and they, they would probably enjoy having D-Cup come up. So if we can get the stuff together, and we were all married now, we all have kids, and you know, who knows right. what kind of time we have. But we made the time to come to Miami. That was kind of a no-brainer for us. Um, and you know, when the Midwest or the Mideast thaws out over the winter, uh-huh. we say, hey, let's go <laughs> right. to Pittsburgh and do a show there. So that's, I think you know, everyone in the troupe will keep doing improv uh, in their own way, and then we'll find special occasions to get D Cup together to to do something. And I'm always still thinking about, all right, what's what's something new and unusual that we can experiment with improv? And I I send it off to the other guys and say, you know, go for it. If if you can make this work, go make it work with your own people and let me know how it works. Fantastic. And so you've been coming to the Miami Improv Festival for a while. And, and before we started, we were talking about uh, that, you know, backstage at Just the Funny here, there's a poster from your movie, Yes And. <laughs> yes. And this was, and the Miami Improv Festival was uh, one of the, the first places that... It was the first, the first theater place. screenings, you know, a screening in a theater with an audience up on a big screen. And then we, uh, Todd, who helped me make the movie, he and I did a and a afterward. Uh, and it was it was very gratifying. It was a very receptive audience. And when he and I sat down and wanted to make the movie, and we'd both been doing improv for over a decade or so at that point, and we'd have had a lot of just really bizarre war stories that we kind of wanted to string together. Right. And uh, almost everything that's in that movie is based on an experience that we personally had or somebody that we knew had as well. And it's you know it's all about a couple of guys who have really no business being in an improv troupe, um, starting one and, and going for it. And right. Everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And it's a mockumentary, so it's 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 very, you know, it's very Spinal Tap-esque. Uh, and it has a, a kind of rough guerrilla filmmaking style to it, but I think it works for that kind of genre. So right. it was a lot of fun to make. We put every single person that we knew in it in some capacity and we rang the bell for every improv troupe in the DC area to participate in any way that they could and a lot of the people who ended up being in the movie um, ended up joining the comedy sports troupe that we were a part of um, afterward because uh-huh. we just said hey you know we you were great in that we liked having you around come perform so one of the other guys in D Cup Corey I met him making Yes Hand because his troupe showed up to film a scene and uh-huh. uh, we got hit it off and I said you should really join our troupe because um, we're, gonna, we're doing the kind of stuff that I think that you would enjoy doing. So that was a good good way to do some networking really and, and, and build up the DC scene a little bit. Yeah, and, it yeah. was fun and, and it, it did. It kind of helped bring a, a lot of the people together that uh, would enjoy that sort of thing. Do you have any plans to do 
another film or follow up that because I'm sure how you how you view improv and how you view yourself as an improviser has changed a lot since you put that movie together. Uh, I haven't really thought about doing another movie, but I'm I'm working on a book that is actually written by one of the Simons. So it it is a very kind of awesome. dark yes <laughs> examination of improv. Um, and the working title is Confessions of an Improv Whore. So it's, uh, it's got a lot of stuff. And some of it is just stuff that I'm working out myself. Yeah. and Because uh, I've had a lot of ups and downs and, and dark moments in improv. And, and I am someone who will go off on a rant if you give me an opportunity. So uh-huh. I, I think it's just a way for me to sort of work it out. And if it ends up being entertainment, you know, entertaining, I'll, I'll put it out there. I did write a book. Um, just a short form improv techniques mm-hmm. that's on Amazon, and that was kind of fun. And I used that with my daughter and her and her her classmates to sort of just say, "All right, here's basic stuff to think about." And it's it's nice that I get an email from Amazon every month, like three more people bought your book. So I was like, "All right, I got to get another book out there, yeah, because this is exciting." So I think you know the. The Confessions of an Improv Whore is very much a niche audience. There's a very small segment of people that I think would be like, oh, that sounds interesting to me. But it'll be fun to sort of get that out there. And it will be a kind of mix of this is a real story that I'm talking about. And here's you know a little bit of fantasy thrown in. Um, but yeah, we'll see where it goes. And there's nothing better than having that filtered through the mouth of a of, of a 1970s puppet. Yeah, I'm thinking that the same sort of stuff that they get away with on stage, I'm hoping he'll get away with in the book form as well. And he'll, they'll have photographs of the Simons, and some of it will be actual stuff from the shows, and some of it may be, you know, here's Simon with Del Close, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something weird like that. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Well, Jack Rita, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on the Miami Improv Festival podcast. It's my pleasure. This is fantastic. And thanks so much for coming down to Miami and bringing this fantastic show here because it's so much fun to see how other people are pushing improv to its limits and doing amazing, amazing work I agree, with it. I agree. Great. Thank you well, so thank much. thank you. All right. All right. Take care. Just the Funny presents is presented by Just the Funny, Miami's home for improv and sketch comedy. For more information, visit our website at justthefunny.com.